This morning we're going to turn in God's word to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 4. Chapter 4, we're going to read the first six verses and take our text from verse 6. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen of whom Boaz spake came by Unto whom he said, Ho, such an one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it, before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself. For I cannot redeem it. May the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. This morning I want to take as our title, Simple Pictures Are Sometimes the Best. The Lord means to teach us something by this incident. And may the Lord be pleased to send the Spirit of God to help us to see. But before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to bless us and to meet with us for Jesus' sake. Our Father and our God, now we would come to thee with thy word before us, and it is our prayer that thou wilt now take the word and allow the Spirit of God to use it in our hearts to show us the Lord Jesus, to show us ourselves, to bring us to that place, O God, where we realize that salvation through the Lord Jesus is a perfect salvation. It is complete, nothing wanting. Lord, I pray that you will also speak to our hearts that we would be all, each one, careful to make sure that we are those who have come to this Redeemer to find salvation through his work. Lord, to this end now I pray that you will help me as thy servant. I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus over my mind, heart, and over this time, and over each one that's here. Lord, close us in with thyself. May we hear the voice of the shepherd today. 
and follow. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I have a very hard question that I'm going to ask here at the very beginning. And I want to see if everybody's mind can think along with me on the answer. What does a picture do? Well, we think about that for a second. What does a picture do? Well, if we were to give an answer to that, we might say, well, a picture reminds us of people we know or places that we've been. It's a reminder. Very good. That is true. We might say, well, a picture also informs us of events and news that is taking place. And that is also right. Sometimes we see pictures of things that are happening and it helps us to understand what is actually occurring around us. We might also say, though, that pictures are used to educate us about the things of the past. We see and so we learn. Now that's what I would write over, what does a picture do? We see and so we learn. You know, God often gives us pictures in the Bible, not visually, but with words to bring to our minds an image or a situation that he means to use to teach us a bigger lesson than the picture itself. The Lord often wants us to consider what is presented and from that draw conclusions that are true and helpful. Helpful to lead us to salvation by trusting in Him. And helpful to show us how we are to walk with Him. Now, we have just read about the moment in which the prediction of Naomi comes to pass. You say, what prediction? Let me explain. Ruth had just returned from her meeting with Boaz in which she essentially asked him to be her husband and thereby redeem the property of Naomi and her family. And as she returns to Naomi from that meeting, she has with her an apron filled with a portion of grain as a token of Boaz's favor, but also of his intent to fulfill a covenant right to redeem. I want you to think about this. Ruth comes back to Naomi, having met with Boaz. Boaz sends her back with a token that he will fulfill the covenant. And so Naomi makes the prediction, sit still, my daughter, until thou, until, and thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. So Naomi is saying in a prediction, Boaz is not going to rest now until he settles this matter today. So, here we have our reading. Now I want you to think about this with me. Think about our reading in the setting. The sun has risen and it shines on Boaz standing 
in the gate, waiting for the kinsman who is more closely related to Naomi than he. You think about that. Boaz gets up, leaves Ruth, gives her the grain, then he takes off, he's down to the gate. And as the sun comes up, it finds Boaz waiting at the gate to do that work that he has promised. And here's an echo, or a moment that may have its echo in the words of Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. You know, it's interesting that Boaz actually even uses that picture, the wings of God, when he speaks of the ever-caring of God himself. If you look at chapter 2, verse 12, it speaks of it. It says there, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So here is Boaz. He's in the gate. There comes the other kinsman. And Boaz calls him to turn aside and sit down. Now, one thing I want you to understand here. Think with me, please. Both of these men could do the work that was needful for Naomi and Ruth. Both of them. But the other kinsman had a shortfall in his ability to to redeem. He said if he took Ruth to be his wife, he would mar his own line and inheritance. Now, on the surface... That response of that kinsman may sound to be somewhat selfish and even perhaps a rude response. It seems that he is more concerned about the future generations and how they would view his name than he did about being merciful and kind. Well, I will say I don't think that that is true at all. I don't think that that's true of this man even in the least. I think that God made this whole event play out exactly this way to to use this as a picture to teach us about the nature and splendor of His salvation and of our Savior. The Lord had this thing work out just this way to teach you something by this picture. Now I want us to consider this picture. The picture of two men at the gate of judgment and consider exactly why things played out as they did. Now, it is not hard for us to see and enjoy the picture that the work of Boaz presents. I think all of us would say, when we consider Boaz, well, let me just ask a question. When we consider Boaz, who do we readily see Boaz as being a representative of? Well, it's of the Lord Jesus. It's easy to see by what he did. He's a type of the Lord Jesus who comes and in all mercy and kindness redeems a stranger to the commonwealth of God. He demonstrates the sure work of a redeemer who does not rest until the matter of redemption is done. Oh, I say Boaz is a wonderful type of Christ from whom we can learn much. And what we learn is a very sweet lesson indeed. But what can we say about the other kinsman? What can we say about this other man who comes and sits down there in the gate that day? 
Does he represent something that we can say is a picture? Well, I think the answer is a resounding yes. That man pictures something too. Now, when you consider that there are two men that could be the path to life and only one can give life in Israel by way of mercy, you can begin to see that the other kinsman is a picture of God's law. Boaz is a picture of the grace of God in the ministry and the person of Jesus Christ. This other kinsman is a picture of God's law. If a man were to completely do as God told Adam in the Garden of Eden, you keep my law and you will live, then that would have been the case. And I would suggest to you, too, that there's the order. That is significant. Boaz says, you were before me, you were first. Yes, the law was first. But he was not able to redeem. He had an inheritance, but not one that was open to one such as Ruth. So I want us to think about these two men and draw some simple conclusions from the result of how things transpired. And I'm going to say, my, what I'm going to try to prove to you this morning is only this. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. Now, I've got two points here. And hopefully you can remember them with me. I want us to think about first the comparison and then the conclusions. The comparison and then the conclusions. First, I want us to compare these two. The point that needs making is that these two men were eligible to redeem and they were very similar in that they were both, hear me, they were both completely upright. Both of these men were completely upright. There was nothing that was dishonorable or out of place in the dealing that these men had over the redemption of Naomi's property and the espousal of Ruth. In the eyes of all the judges, the issue and the manner in which it was handled was perfect and to be completely judged as legal. There was nothing left out that needed to be done. There was nothing added that was not in keeping with what was demanded. So I stress to you very ardently and very fervently that both men were honorable. And both men dealt in honesty and uprightness. So, here's, here we are to our question. So why did the first unnamed redeemer say what he did? Well, as I said earlier, it might seem that he was really a bad man. No, not at all. Now, if we think of God's law and what it can do and what it cannot do, we might understand the reasons for this man's response. What does God's law look like? Well, no man can say, even if it had a physical appearance. But this man that we're speaking of, this other redeemer other than Boaz, may stand well as a representative of God's law. 
and maybe it's because you cannot describe the law in physical terms is why this man is unnamed. I don't know that for sure. But I want us to think first about the unnamed Redeemer. I want us to think about him for just a moment. I think it will help us to understand what's going on here. If this man's is to be understood rightly, his response to the matter of espousing Ruth was simply this. He could not take a stranger or an outsider, one who was not of the commonwealth of Israel, into his family and maintain the purity of his line. He could not take, and may I put it to you in another way, just to translate it over perhaps into another slightly idea, slight idea. He could not take a sinner into his line without it affecting the line. The lineage of his family would be marred by the inclusion of one who should not be there. He could not proclaim someone as one of his family, who was not qualified to be there. Can you see, perhaps? The law cannot say, oh yes, you are one of my law-keeping family when you are a sinner and you've broken God's law. You can't have that. His statement was simply that he had no benefits to bestow. His line must be a pure line. It cannot be otherwise. So again, the point is this. The law of God, the first of God's covenants with men, cannot allow one to be saved that is a breaker or outsider of the law. Cannot be done. To do that would be to destroy the law. It would be no law at all if the law can be broken and there be giving of the reward as if it had been kept. You know, that's a concept that is completely misunderstood today. You just have to watch the news for 10 minutes and under, get the fact that men do not understand the nature of the law. Or men will say, oh, you can break the law, and that's great. Keep the law, and you're an offender. I'm not sure I can get my mind around this way of thinking today, but that's the way it is. But here in this instance, we have it taught to us. You can't break God's law and be rewarded with life. The law and all that it is would be a sham in that case. It would be marred. It would be a farce. Honesty and uprightness demands that the law must be kept in all points. Or it is not kept at all. So, I say, this man, as a picture of the law, was simply saying that he could not accept an outsider... Mercy was not his to give. Do you understand? With the, there is no such thing with, of mercy in the eyes or according to the thinking of the law per se. The law says you do this, here's your reward. You don't do this, here's your penalty. Mercy, acceptance, was not his to give. Grace was not a gift that he could bestow. He could not deal with Ruth as a redeemer. She was a woman for all intents and purposes that was from a polluted background. You know, all of us have sinned. We are just like Ruth. We are strangers to the covenant of life. 
The scriptures tell us plainly, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same condition. And if we look to our own good and our own doing good and the keeping of what we consider the law of God in the day of judgment, like it was in this day here, the law will say, I cannot redeem you. I cannot redeem you. You are lost and will remain so. That, I say, is what this unnamed redeemer is simply saying. I don't have a redemption to give to one who is an outsider. I can't do it. The whole concept of the purity of the law would be marred. Now, let's look, on the other hand, on the unhesitating redeemer. Boaz did not rest until he did what was needed to redeem Naomi's inheritance and to espouse Ruth. He did act in mercy. Naomi had nothing. Ruth was a foreigner. She was without a single argument for coming under the wing of Boaz. But you see Ruth here as a picture of the repentant sinner coming humbling herself and seeking the redemption that he can provide. Oh, there's a lesson there. How is it that you come into the salvation of God? It's certainly not by saying, I am worthy of this redemption. No, it's by saying, I am not worthy. I have nothing that I can claim. I am destitute without an argument ever. But Boaz understands And he also understands that before mercy can be extended, the law has to be satisfied. Do you see that picture here? Boaz says, I need to meet with the other kinsmen because the law has to be satisfied. So he goes to the place of judgment and meets with the law, as it were, and says he will redeem when the law says he can't. So the truth is very simple. The truth here, I hope you all are understanding this. You cannot be saved by keeping God's law. You broke the law, and the law turns away from you. There is no hope there. You need one to go to the place of judgment. And let me just simply say this. Here's an interesting thing. It's always interesting, the pictures of the Lord, how things work out. How many judges did Boaz say, Hey, come over here and sit down. How many of them were there? There were ten. How many parts are there in the moral law of God? Ten. Can you see the picture here? Here's the law of God. Here's the judgment. Here's the the case. Boaz goes to where the law is to be met with and dealt with entirely. And the covenant of redemption is agreed upon. Oh, may I just stress to you, you need one to go to the place of judgment and declare that he is willing to take you to himself and to do all that is needed to bring you into the family of God. And I say that that is Christ alone. There is no other that can be merciful and redeem. Did you hear? There is no other that can be merciful and redeem. 
You know, there were some of Naomi's friends that were merciful to her. And they were kind to her when she comes back out of the land of Moab. And they commiserate with her. And they talk to her of all her miseries and of her expectations. And later on, they're the very ones that are rejoicing with her when, she, when they find out that Ruth is with child. And there will be an heir upon the inheritance of Naomi. But these ones, though they would show mercy, could not redeem. There was only one that could show mercy and redeem. Let me ask a question this morning. Can you all hear me? Do you need to be redeemed? Do you see yourself as this woman whose honest conclusion about herself is that she's a stranger to God, stranger to his people, stranger to his land, a stranger to his promises? What is received if you humbly come to the feet of the Lord Jesus will be the same as what Ruth found. She found one who completely changed all things. Gave her a life. Gave her a place. Eternal life comes to you when you come to the Lord Jesus. So I say, do you need to be redeemed? Every one of us will have to say, yes, I do. I need to be. The next question is, have you come to the Lord Jesus? Have you asked him to come into your heart to save you? Well, if you do such a thing, what is gained? What is enjoyed? Well, I want us to think about the second point, and that's the conclusions. What truths can we take away from this picture of Ruth being redeemed by Boaz? Well, I have just a couple here I want to suggest to you. First, I want you to see this with me, that the redemption of Boaz was a perfect, complete, and forever redemption. What, what Ruth received was a perfect, complete, and forever redemption. But what if I remember how I was before I came to Jesus? Will that make me lost again? If I can remember my sin and how bad and how iniquitous I was, does that make me to be one who is no longer acceptable in the sight of God? I want you to look with me at what the judges at the gate said about Ruth when Boaz had finished his work there. Verse 11 and 12 of chapter 4. Read it with me if you've got your Bible open. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. You say, what's that say? It says this, that Ruth was now so accepted 
by the judges that she is, was blessed and held as highly as the two mothers of Israel. She could not be promoted to a higher place. How could she be more highly blessed than that? My point to you is this. When the Lord Jesus redeems us, we are not just those who enter the family of God as third-rate outsiders. But rather, we are now told in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places, seated as the bride. We are as changed in the eyes of the judges as Ruth was changed into the likeness of Rachel and Leah in their estimation. You are as holy and as separated and as precious and as exalted in the heart of God as it is possible to be. Also, here's a conclusion. The redemption of Ruth brought continuous care by Boaz. Now, let me ask you a question. When Ruth and Boaz were married, did Boaz say, good, you're a great worker, Ruth. Now, I think I'm going to send you back out into the field to gather some grain. Because after all, when I gave you those scoops of grain, that kind of put me a little short. So, what I want you to do, Ruth, is go back out there in the field, join the girls that are out there already, and by the way, if you need a drink, the guys will let you, but go back out there and start working. Is that what he said? You know what? There are some of us in the church of Christ who think that Christ treats us just like that. I saved you. Now, you better get out there and be something that I can be proud of. You better get out there and do something that shows that you're worthy. Oh, no. No. Ruth was taken now under the wing of Boaz. She was carefully provided for and loved. Here's a question. Does the Lord love you? When's the last time you asked the Lord that? Lord, do you love me? Has it been more than 10 minutes? Lord, do you love me? How do I know he loves me? How did Ruth know that Boaz loved her? He went straight to the gate. Understand that. Ruth went back to her mother-in-law with an apron full of grain. Boaz got up and went to the gate and stayed there till the other man came along. There was the heart of devotion, the heart of love. He went to the gate. Where did the Lord Jesus go to settle the matter with you and us and the law? You say, well, that's just... That's just a point of doctrine. That's just a historical thing. I need to have something that fans my emotions so that I feel saved. Oh, let me tell you this. If you're trying to feel saved, feel loved by God, 
without considering the work of Christ, you're going to fall down. Because emotions are born out of the heart that's within, that is deceitfully wicked above all things, and who can know it? You're not going to come away with a conclusion. But when your heart rests upon what the Lord Jesus did for you at Calvary, you have a friend, as it were, by your side. Even the Spirit of God, who will take that and fan that and bless that and cause that to be a convincing argument to your mind and heart. Does the Lord love me? Yes, He does love me because He took my awful sin. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to His cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. He went before the judges. He went to the place where he claimed you. He doesn't change in his heart. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, there's another conclusion we can make, and that is this. That the redemption of Ruth brought a new name and place. I want you to see this. Before Boaz marries Ruth, Ruth was known as the Moabites. But now, Ruth is no longer a Moabitess. She is now a mother in Israel. Her complete change was beyond estimation. She was now to be in the line of the Lord and to be the great-grandmother of David. Her lot completely changed. No longer the Moabitess, but now the virtuous woman who has married Boaz, who has born Obed. My point is this. When Ruth was redeemed, her world was not the same. And I want you to understand this. Please hear me. When we come to the Lord Jesus and he saves us, our world also is never the same. We are now to live like the bride of the Redeemer. We are not to live like a citizen of Vanity Fair. It is just astounding and in fact, quite frankly, disgusting that there are so many in what's called the church that will preach this liberty idea that because we're saved now we can go out and do pretty much whatever we No, sir, you are to live like the bride of the Redeemer. Your world has changed. Now, live like it. And I have one last conclusion before I get to my conclusion. The redemption of, of Ruth brought to her all the properties and wealth that Boaz had. Do you understand that Ruth was never a pauper again? She was never again without a home. What this says to us is this. That the grace and goodness of God are ours by right now. 
You might say in your heart, well, I have no right to the grace of God. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Absolutely you do. Do you understand that the Lord Jesus bled and died that you might have an expectation of God being gracious to you? We can expect him to supply because we are his now. When you come to the Lord, you do not come as an outsider now if you believe on him. You have every right to expect him to arise and to supply every need. That is your rightful expectation. Let me ask you this. Would Boaz have been an honorable man if he had just married Ruth and then said, now you're going to live over here in this hut and maybe once a week I'll bring you over a slice of bread? All that Christ has is ours. Does he not tell us that? He that has spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, what's my conclusion? Three things. There is a Redeemer for you. You can know all the blessings that Ruth knew, but more so you can have life. But you need to come to Jesus. The second conclusion is this. You need to rest in his work. Ruth, from the point that Boaz married her, was a content woman. She did not have to worry, well, am I going to be able to make ends meet now? No. Rest in the Lord rest in the Lord and then go forward believing on the finality of what he has done go on in life believing that what was done at the gate or may I put it the cross what was done there solved and settled everything now you go forward in your life knowing that all is done This, I say, is a simple picture. If you take the two men representing what they do and the benefits that come from the ministry of the, tr- the one who truly redeems. A tremendous blessing. Well, may the Lord seal it to our hearts. Let's all pray. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you'll take the word of God and allow it to be used. Lord, we ask again, that thou wilt let us see that thou dost not allow the word of God to fall to the ground. But it does do that which you intended to do. Lord, as we have thought upon these two things, that the law cannot redeem, but Jesus does, Lord, may we find ourselves swiftly coming to the feet of the Lord Jesus. Lord, if we have come to the Lord Jesus already, may we find ourselves being able to rest as Ruth did in that day, knowing all the continued care of the kinsman redeemer. Lord, now I pray that you will bless us as we go from this place. I pray, O God, that thou wouldst keep us close to thyself as we walk through thy day. Guide our minds and hearts. May we realize indeed that this is thy day. And that we are to be those who are to seek and enjoy the Lord in it. 
Lord, hear us, help us, go with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.